You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. If anybody would like to read Romans 12, 1 through 8, in whatever translation you have, that would be terrific. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing and perfect will. For by grace, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith. God has distributed each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. We have different gifts according to the grace given, to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, if it is, excuse me, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Thanks, Al. All right. What does this passage have to say to us today? What do you find in it? What stands out to you as Al read that? Also very much, you know, I'm always troubled by the verse. You know, not to be conformed to this world. That's a big struggle. And then just, just as Al was reading today, and he's going through the gifts, I always looked at that as you're, you got one gift. God gives you one gift, and that's what you do your whole life. <laughs> but now I'm thinking, no, nah, you know, the Holy Spirit, He may give me a moment of prophecy, and the next week ask me to serve, or down the road tell me to call somebody up and encourage them that I got to start thinking outside of the little box, that I can be anything if I let the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's the one with the gifts, right? Well, it's interesting you you highlight both passages. Does anybody else have like a headline between those two statements, like a chapter heading? Yeah. 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 You have a living sacrifice for the first few, and then gifts of grace. But there's one thing we've really been leaning into throughout the last, however long we've been doing this series. <laughs> Uh, this is a letter, right? And we often just highlight certain passages rather than read it all together. Uh, but even that verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, if there's a therefore, that means we're like working off of something else, right? So like, <laughs> Paul's even coming out of Romans 11 into this. So what was the verse right before that? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. How do we do that? 
by the gifts that God has given us to operate within the church. So we often put this under chapter headings rather than as a letter, but for Paul, he's looking at everything about us is to give glory to God. Therefore, your entire life should be uh, an offering. Therefore, your entire service should be within whatever ways in which you've been gifted. Or as Marie said, just being open to let the Holy Spirit use you in any of the giftings. I know that was a surprise to me uh, in college when I first started learning about spiritual gifts was uh, maybe God will put more on you over time. And do we have any biblical evidence of that? Can anyone think of any? about uh, Matthew chapter 25? Yeah, is that the talents? or Yeah. You want to... Well, in this story, he gives one five, one two, and one one. One with five multiplies it to another five. The one with two invests and uses it, works it, becomes four. The one with one said, hear this, I knew you were a man, a hard man, that reaped where you didn't sow and harvested where you didn't scatter. Therefore, I was afraid... I hid your money. And he said, by your own words, if you knew that I reaped where I didn't sow and harvested where I didn't scatter, you should have at least put my money in the bank where I would have gotten interest. And he took the one and gave it to the guy with ten. And of course, we'd all say, that's not fair. You need to spread it around. Eh, wrong. God's principles are that if you work hard and are faithful, you do more. If you don't, even what you have is taken away, which is uh, different than the conforming to the pattern of this world which says equality is what we're after. We're not after equality, we're after faithfulness. And in my little sermon. <laughs> that was an impressive amount of Bible quizzing right there. <laughs> Unless you have it in your glasses somewhere. Right no, I did Bible quizzing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd also think of Paul, who says uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Why would you eagerly desire something unless there's a possibility that it would be given to you? Otherwise, it's just madness, right? But Paul understood that there were different kinds of gifts. Uh, some of them were, um, if he's even calling some gifts greater, that means that he's saying like some gifts are like at one point given, and then maybe God wants to see the faithfulness that you'll have with those gifts to see can he keep giving out more and, and kind of trust you with those just in line with that parable? I remember uh, my professor in college um, when he was speaking about tongues. He's like, tongues are not, like, it doesn't have to happen when you get saved. I know there's some denominations out there that teach that. But he said it's not uncommon that when some people get saved, they just start speaking in tongues. And what a great gift to start in because what kind of faithfulness you need to speak in tongues, you don't even know what you're saying. You don't even know what the point is. Like, you just That's just a gift that you operate in without any understanding of why on earth you would. But what a great entry-level practice of, well, will you operate even in this when you don't understand what's going on? Okay, well, here's, here's these greater gifts. Uh, Paul himself said that he eagerly desired that people would learn to prophesy. Uh, so I think a spiritual gift in some ways like a piano. When I look at a piano and I'm like, gee, it'd be great if I could learn that, but I never will. So sad. You know, like, I promise you I will never learn it. <laughs> you know, if that's my attitude towards the piano. But if I actually go sit down and try to play it, try to sync some notes together, try to learn how to read the music, try to do these things, believe it or not, I will start to learn piano. 
uh, seeing spiritual gifts as a, uh, in a similar way. If I try to pray for someone for healing, maybe it might happen. But if I never do, I promise you, it won't happen. <laughs> right? And I've seen lots of times where it doesn't. I've seen plenty of times where it does. And that's, uh, that's just one gift. Uh, prophetic. There's times where I'm trying to listen, trying to speak out what I think I'm hearing, and then find out uh, that, you know, that wasn't correct, or find out that it was. Sometimes, I don't even know where the overlap is. Uh, three times in the last two weeks, I texted a friend out of nowhere and just said, um, I just, what did I say? The first time I said something like, uh, Oh, I said, stop thinking that way. Like, that was all I said. <laughs> and they opened up the text, they're like, how did you know that? You know, I was like, I, I don't know. I was taking a stab in the dark. I didn't know if that was God setting me up or not. And then a few days later, I said, you breathing okay? And like, I literally just got in the car because I couldn't breathe and I needed to be alone. Okay, all right. <laughs> and that was just a variant upon me saying, uh, are you... Uh, Stop thinking like that. I was like, I'm going to text that again. No, I'll say it differently this time. Little did I know. And then today I, I texted again um, and said, are you breathing okay? As a joke this time, because I was around them and I knew they were breathing just fine. And they're like, how did you know that just acted up like 20 minutes ago again? I was like, well, I thought it was a joke this time. You know, but like, <laughs> apparently, even in the midst of like thinking through my own thoughts, I'm stepping out to be like, is this just me, my thought, or is the Holy Spirit, who is also inside of me, am I discerning his thoughts at times? And that's the way that Paul sets up uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, he says that we have our own spirit in us that searches the depths of our hearts, and then we have the Holy Spirit in us who searches the depths of God's heart. Uh, so therefore, we have two spirits inside of us searching two different hearts. And that means God's thoughts sound a lot like your thoughts. How how is it that your how is it that you hear your own spirit, right? Apparently, the way that you hear God's spirit is in a similar way, and it's hard sometimes to discern between the two unless you step out on faith, and then find that as God sees you stepping out, He might continue to grow a gift in you. So, uh, what's interesting in these gifts? What kind of gifts do we have in Romans twelve? Because they seem most of them seem overly boring. <laughs> Actually, I, I think they're the most exciting. Well, yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll rephrase. They are pastorally great. <laughs> but from like the signs and wonders and miracles and whatnot to, hey, you have lots of money, give it. And you're like, I don't want that gift. You know, <laughs> most people. Well, but I look at these and I'm, I'm saying, thinking, the fact that I can serve, the fact that I can encourage, the fact that I can do these things, are what everybody needs almost all the time. Where they don't always need healing and miraculous signs and wonders. They need this. And this is where you can become very relevant in a culture that right now needs to hear these things. Here's an interesting story. We have our new store at Briarwood, and as we were opening it, my wife and I were there a lot, we began to notice some regulars, walkers and people that uh, were always around. And so we began to connect with them because part of my commitment is every new store we start, we start a spiritual outward from that. Thursday night was the boobash, the big Halloween thing for them all. 
we were handing out candy, and one of the walkers comes up to us and says, would you pray for my mom and dad? They both got COVID. They're very sick. We, they're doing They've been vaccinated, but they really need prayer. And I said, okay, Lord, and I prayed right there while we were handing out candy to these people, and she started tearing up. Because to encourage, to serve, to do what God's called us to do doesn't have to be, well, let's come over here. It's doing it where you are, when you are, as it happens, because that's what God's called us to do. And all of you can do that no matter where you are. So that, to me, when I see this, encourage, serve, love, you know, it's borrowing Nike's saying, just do it. Whatever you have to do, just get out there and do it. Whether you believe it's a gift or not, it's the only way you're going to figure out if you have it or not. I'm taking over, I'm sorry. No, you're good. We have another pastor in the room today, by the way. We have two pastors in the room, at least. Um, three, four, yeah, there's, there's plenty in here. No, but, I mean, you're right. And even to the end of the, like, supernatural gifts, this is ultimately what they're headed for. First Corinthians 14, Paul talks about, like, what does the prophetic do in actuality? It consoles, it edifies, it encourages. It's the same, same general principle of what he's saying right here. So another thing to note, are these all the gifts that Paul lists in other letters? He's got more elsewhere. I think it's First uh, Corinthians 12. He's going to go through a bunch of others. Um, manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, various kind of tongues, interpretation of tongues, all empowered by the same Spirit. A few of those were listed in Romans 12. So, do you think we have the entire list of spiritual gifts that exist within the Bible? I doubt it. I think Paul didn't ever give us an exhaustive list. He just kind of pinpointed his, whatever was on his mind when, when he was writing. So I think there's even more out there. Uh, even gifts of healing... Did I say that one in this one? Yeah, gifts of healing. It's almost plural right there. In other words, some people might be gifted to heal in specific ways, and I've seen that before. Uh, Heidi Baker in Mozambique, someone prophesied over her, you're going to have the gift of opening deaf ears. Uh, so she prayed for every deaf person she could find for like a year, and no one got healed. <laughs> it's like, okay. She's like, everyone got saved, but no one got healed. I'm like, oh, what a sad day for you, Heidi Baker. Just everyone got saved. Um, but but nobody, nobody got healed until one day she continued to press into this statement, continued to be faithful to pray for uh, the deaf, until one day it started happening. And now her entire evangelistic ministry throughout Mozambique is they go to a village and they get up on stage and they ask for the deaf to come forward. When the deaf come forward, they pray for them, and everybody in the whole village watches their neighbor, who could not hear before, start to repeat the words that Heidi Baker is saying. They're like, oh, whoever this Jesus guy is, he's real. Now, does Heidi Baker see every single last healing happen? Probably not. But the rate at which she sees deaf ears opened is actually pretty incredible. So, so that's like a gift of healing within the healing spectrum, even. So, yeah. Interesting point. So somebody prophesies over her, 
at what point, you know, if somebody came up to me and said something, at what point would I call it quits and say, well, you know, they were trying, but maybe it was the wrong prophecy, because you talked about how you don't know unless you try. So mm -hmm. I'd be thinking, well, maybe somebody tried and they just didn't hit a home run. Yeah. So if she had given up, you know, the prophecy may never have been fulfilled. So was it a wrong prophecy? No. But as she continued to push on, you know, it's just kind of a, this amazing thought that it was going to go somewhere else, but I've lost it. <laughs> no, I, I think we're following. You know, um, yeah, that, um, you know, we might have given up and never known what was true. And, uh, you know, if I prophesy to someone and they try it and say, no, you're wrong, you know, was I wrong? Maybe they give up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's hard to tell sometimes. I mean, there are prophetic statements that are wrong. That's why you always want to say, anytime someone speaks over you, it's like, I'm going to take this and discern it, you know. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like pressing into it, trying to be faithful to God and, mm -hmm. and pressing into it. I mean, one of the words I got from Stephen Halacki, I know I've shared this story before, but Stephen came up to me a few days after service, was like, I didn't hear anything that you preached on. Like, okay, thanks for that. And then explained, like, it's because I felt like I was having this vision of you in a, a meat shop, taking care of all this meat, it's gross, it's bloody, it smells bad, but then God was calling you to a bakery across the street where it was pleasant work, smelled nice, people liked to be there, things like that. Um, I was like, oh, okay, cool, I like that, it's a good word, you know. And then, like, three, six months later, I'm waiting for the bakery, whatever that means, you know. Uh, gathering like we're talking about ministry becoming easy and wonderful and all that and um, six months later or so someone else comes up to me another student like I, I had this like vision of you in a bakery I was like, okay you know I know the rest of this <laughs> uh, but like that right there was like a word that I don't know that I'd ever say I felt like came true and I have to live in the tension of a well, it's already proved itself to be a legitimate word because what are the chances of two college students talking to pastor about a bakery? Uh, but then, like, okay, did I miss it? You know, was I not faithful? Did I miss the moment? Or then B, is that moment yet to come? Which is a word that I can still hang on to even in the midst of pandemic, you know? Like, where's the bakery? It's not like you didn't know COVID was coming eight years ago when you mentioned that. <laughs> well, I, my favorite character in all of Scripture, apart from Christ, is Joseph. Mm -hmm. And it was more than 17 years from his dreams until yep. anything happened. Mm -hmm. And in between, he was sold into slavery, put into prison, all sorts of things happened to him, but it said he remained faithful. So, Jamin... You've got a number of years to go. It's true. <laughs> Thanks for that encouraging <laughs> word. Seven more years. Uh, and possibly a few prison. more valleys. Yeah, prison's on there. On the <laughs> yeah, what I don't love is at the end of the Joseph story, he turns and tells his brothers, oh, I've realized God put me through all that on purpose. So thanks, Al. Pandemic was intentional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's... Uh, it Difficult. wasn't a surprise. Whether it's intentional, I don't know, but it wasn't a surprise. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, with Joseph, he did suffer through quite a bit to, to get to 
ultimately what he had to be used for and all that. So good point. And that's the same thing for, for all of us, you know. God has hopes and desires and love for you. And here's the beauty for all of us who call ourselves Christians. None of you are so special that you don't get a gift. You are all given a gift, and you are all given the same hope that Paul had for you to keep growing in gifts. And here's something that I think we need to learn just across the Western church in general is we, we have to become the church again. And I think pandemic is forcing us to realize that. I mean, I think a lot of times our church has just become uh, pastors trying to do everything. And obviously, I biblically can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I do not have all the gifts that are in this room. Ask, ask our administration people if I have their gifts or their finance people if I understand. <laughs> I don't have all the gifts that are in this room. God has essentially created the church to be a jigsaw puzzle of sorts where it only works and can only see the full image at the end of it if we all work together. Um, and God doesn't leave us hanging. You know, he fills in the gaps and he comes to our our rescue and he sends us people and sometimes he sends people out of us Kevin and Janae had to leave recently Anna had to leave some time ago but like I never looked at those moments as like I don't know the right word to use I saw those moments as sending moments of gifted people that God had raised up and used at 1208 but then was telling us I have other places where they're needed organ donation if we're all in body and you're sending part of it off, it's an organ donation. There you go. And so our favorite livers and kidneys uh, have been partitioned away uh, through black market exchanges. God says he uses the peculiar to make things happen. It's so. true. Yeah. Uh, but we've seen those moments. We've seen those moments. Uh, but... Can we believe that even right now in a room full of 15-ish people, that there is still enough space here between the gifted, between what God is doing to fulfill the mission that we have to do? And that is, uh, that's harder sometimes to see in the midst of difficulty and smallness. But, you know, when you come across these really big churches, they're operating off just a few select people in the whole building are making the thing thing run. And we have the potential when we're small like this to say we truly need to work together and no one can be missed because we're all here. Um, and as we bring more people in, we disciple them. We figure out what their giftings are. We propel them into their areas. If you ever have these questions like, why won't God heal the lady in the wheelchair? The answer might be because you specifically did not pray for them. You ever have the question of like, why, why doesn't God speak any prophetic words over this building or this church? The answer might be because you specifically didn't have a moment to get involved with that. That's how the jigsaw puzzle works is, is church only operates correctly if we are all giving together. Uh, as a pastor, my job is to equip the saints for ministry. That's how the Bible Bible phrases it. My job is not to do the ministry all myself. And I'm not saying that's what you guys made me do, just to clarify. That's, <laughs> that's not what I was trying to say or anything. 
what I am trying to say is within the church, we all hold our own unique giftings, talents, responsibilities that have been given to us. And uh, if we come together to funnel all of that into the jigsaw puzzle, the picture will be completed. The pieces that are missing, God will send as he sees our faithfulness. Uh, and the kidneys that are needed will be black marketed back to us. Uh, whatever, whatever we need to do. Count that a prophetic word, Anna. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the picture Paul sets up. And it's not the Western church. The Western church is a few select people holding a service. Uh, the biblical picture is every single person does not get in and out from making church happen because the church is not a service, the church is not a building, the church is not one gifted individual pulling off miracles by themselves, is a miraculous body that is predestined for the resurrection and is already uh, living out the resurrection through the gifts that have been given. The Holy Spirit is called like a down payment. Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as a down payment. In other words, that which is coming, the life where everything is good and healed and right and righteous and everyone truly does look like a holy sacrifice, isn't conformed to this world and walking in miracles every day and the supernatural and the natural combining in one as heaven and earth meet fully, that down payment is already here. It's already in us. And sometimes that looks super natural and sometimes that looks super boringly natural <laughs> or, or super excitingly natural um, as uh, it might be through the gifts of generosity. It might be through the gifts of service. Uh, Brian Schott, back in back in the room, cleaning dishes every single Sunday. If anybody's missing, he took the spot over and over again, regardless of what was happening. Marie would do the same. You know, like those are Those are miraculous gifts of service. I don't know anybody who just runs back to do dishes at the last minute. I'm sure all of you have in some way carried on some of that, but like, that's like a gift of service beyond service. And getting there, that, that requires faithfulness. And getting there also requires uh, um, the willingness to do something that many others wouldn't want to do. That includes the supernatural too. Healing, prophecy. A lot of people don't want to do that because it's scary. Stepping out in faith and, and you find that there. So, um, consider this my gift of exhortation and encouragement among all of you. Here's what we're going to do. Next Sunday, this service is going to look a little different. It's going to be more about vision. It's going to be more about uh, less of me preaching and speaking, more of me asking you what you see in 1208. We're at a place, obviously, where we need to start talking about like relaunch. I mean, this is... In many ways, kind of what we faced when we started dinner church was a live or die moment. Like, literally, we, the conference told us we have to <laughs> try to change things up or we need to um, uh, kind of reach an end of sorts. Not because we weren't doing good things, but like just what we have been doing, we're never equating to, to uh, the expectations of what a, a church looks like. We are still even a fellowship at 1208. You get three years to be a fellowship. We've been a fellowship for a decade. <laughs> Which means in order to move along, there are certain like standards we, we need to meet. 
the conference was very gracious with us, though, and said, we want to give you space to like try something new and see what God does. And God did great things through Dinner Church. Uh, now we're on the other side of the pandemic, and the question comes up to us again with a live-or-die moment. Um, how do we press in to be the gifted church that we are uh, with the people that God has given us to do what we need to do to create something that truly... Uh, can operate and affect people in the post-pandemic world. Uh, we've never stopped. We've been going, going. We've planted an online church. We've <laughs> adapted everything we've done. We've added in new things. Um, but altogether, we still haven't quite found that momentum that we need to move forward. And I think it's time to start discussing that. So next week when we come together, um, we'll do a little bit of music, but then we'll just kind of chat for a while. And the questions that I'll be asking is like, what do you see yourself volunteering as? How are you gifted? Um, what are the ways, what are the things that our church doesn't have that you want? Uh, maybe that's things we've already done, like children's ministry. Maybe that's continuing things like our bands, which our bands technically just reached an end, but those who were involved with it enjoyed it so much they've talked about continuing it um, so I want to hear I want to hear everything uh, this is not my church this is Jesus's church uh, I am not the one who makes this thing happen it's we who make it happen uh, so I would like to give you the power and authority to speak into 1208 and to help us design what it should be and I'll share some of the ideas that we've had over time things like this food truck that Remains a possibility if we feel like we have the volunteer support to, to actually make it work. Um, possibility of relaunching Dinner Church. If we have the volunteer support to make something like that work. We were 40 when we launched that, right? Um, if we were all here tonight, we'd probably be about 30. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of space to dream. Um, but God is always more hopeful than us. He's always more faithful than us. And I think if we show him faithfulness back uh, and put our giftings to the test and ask for more at the same time, uh, he, can, he can do something wonderful that we haven't even, haven't even thought of. And pull us out of the butchery of this pandemic into a beautiful cupcake house where my wife decorates everything. <laughs> because Jamin's cupcakes would be Frankenstein-esque <laughs> uh, any other final thoughts or comments as we wrap up well mine is whatever you do I'm willing to help with what I can do, which is dishes or helping the kids. I know that. This week I should be talking about this stuff. No, no, no. That's great. I would love for you guys to be thinking of it. I'm also probably, I think I have the time. I plan on kind of sending out like a, through our newsletter, Facebook, whatever, just like a morning devotional this week every day to just kind of help you think in terms of, of Relaunching 1208, helping it move forward, and, and thinking what it what it should all have, and then we can kind of come back together next Sunday. I won't make an extra meeting for this. We'll just do it as service to 
uh, envision where God's taking us and, and go from there. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, let's say, let's say um, we get together, there are a few people that's here and get something going. Is that what brings people in? Uh, I don't necessarily find if you build it, they will come mentality to work these days. But, I mean, when we made something like Dinner Church, we addressed a need in the community and that brought people in. So it's partially us trying to think over what does our church need to be to bring heaven to Jackson that would truly reach people. I would just think, I don't know. I think the problem is just bringing people in, getting people to come back. I know this pandemic is one is the biggest thing that's holding everybody from coming back, but I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I don't have nothing. Well, I think we're at a point now where most everybody's at a different place with the pandemic. I totally get that. But from what I've seen in much of my life, most people are just back to doing whatever they were doing before, minus the habit of going to church. <laughs> it's very easy to fall out of church if you don't do it for one month. It's even easier if you do it for two years. So we're at a point where people need a reason to come back. Um, and I, I think we need to talk about what that looks like. What gives people that reason? I have to think about it. Most people who have left are people who was assigned to do something somewhere else. So I guess just all new people. Okay, okay, okay. We've had all our organs ripped out and we're just lying on the surgery. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. the mice with the phone saying, call 911. Call 911! You're waiting for a transplant. We are. And maybe. I don't know where this analogy came. This was out, right? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to some extent, that's what we're doing. We're lying on the table waiting for a transplant. Um, he said we're one body with many parts. So mm -hmm. Paul says we're a body. I'm just saying we give an organs. Yeah. The Frankenstein Halloween church message is where we've landed now. So. But yeah, I mean, we, we can get up. And even a churches start smaller than this, right? There are enough people here right now in this room for a church to work uh, fluidly because God will take care of us if we press forward. Um, but it's all it's all within us just uh, uh, turning this church over to God. It's what I do pretty much every time I walk here on a Sunday. My prayer is, Jesus, this is not my church. This is your church. Help me focus on that. And if we all do that together, he will take care of it. This is his bride, and he does not like to see his bride hurting. So um, let's pray into that all week. Let's come together on Sunday and, and chat more about it. Uh, make no promises that everything that comes up on Sunday will perfectly be addressed, but it will at least give us grounding places to start moving forward. So I love you all, and there was nothing in this message that was meant to say anything about anyone's attendance or uh, 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 giving or anything like that. I realized that uh, churches all across the board have just been suffering in general. When you're a church of about 90 people pre-pandemic, you know, you're dealing with like 20 to 30 people post-pandemic. But like bigger churches that had, you know, 1,200 are now looking at like 600. So everybody's feeling it. Everybody's trying to figure out how do we change in the midst of things. 
And I would encourage us that Paul's calling us to just be faithful as a body, as a church, will uh, pull us through a lot more mess than maybe we, we think. So let me pray for you. Give you candy and then let your kids go run wild across the streets to get more. So, Jesus, we just start right there. This is your church, not our church. Uh, each one of us has had a different narrative throughout the pandemic that has taken us into all different kinds of seasons, uh, even with our church life. Um, there are uh, plenty who aren't here tonight who um, would be here otherwise, and there are plenty who perhaps have left over time. There are others who have been transplanted to where they need to be, and we are just in uh, uh, the same place as every other church in Jackson, every other church around America right now, where everyone is trying to reconfigure what does church look like, how does it work, where are we going, and Many of us don't have the answers. I know I've tried a lot of different things just trying to figure that out throughout the last few years, and I don't have the answers. But Jesus, you do. Uh, and ultimately, it's no strategy or uh, puzzle that we solve that makes a church work. Ultimately, it's, it's you. This is your bride. Uh, Bible pictures you... Uh, We, we, we have these images that we have of, of you taking care of, of your church and you sending people in and sending people out, calling. Uh, evangelism is on uh, put on us, but it's uh, completely on your hands at the same time. So here we are. We're ready to do your will. We want to do your will. We don't know where this leads, but we know that it needs to lead somewhere. So this week, would you speak to us? Would you give us direction? And as we come back together on Sunday, would we have a fuller idea, each one of us as we're gifted, as to how we will volunteer and how uh, we can make uh, uh, 1208 to move to what you're calling it to. We thank you ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.